Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the second episode of K. Williams to Say. I'm your host, Kendra Williams, and thanks for tuning in. Today, I want to talk about the, um, I want to recap game one and game two of the NBA Finals. I want to preview game three, and I want to talk about the latest rumors from a player who's been hyped up all year long. So, I'll get into that. But first, I want to start with the, uh, game one of the um, Toronto Raptors and Golden State Warriors series. It featured some pretty, pretty stellar defense by the Toronto Raptors with them ultimately taking um, the win against the Golden State Warriors. You know, the Golden State Warriors opened up on the road for their for the first time in five consecutive NBA, for, for, for the first time for the fifth consecutive NBA Finals. And it was a different feel for them because they didn't, Seemed like they came out with a whole lot of energy. You know, they trailed for majority of the game. You know, it was a big night for guys like, you know, uh, the Raptors, as in uh, Kawhi Leonard, Siakam, Gasol, Green, Van Vliet. You know, they finished, five Raptors finished in double figures. You know, Kawhi Leonard had 33, uh, Siakam had 32, Gasol had 20, Van Vliet had 15 off the bench, Danny Green had 11. As a starter on the Golden State Warriors side, you know they didn't particularly, you know they had the production was there, but it didn't seem like they had their legs after having so much rest from coming off the um, Western Conference Finals against the Portland Trailblazers, in which they did win the series in a sweep. You know Curry had thirty four points, five rebounds, five assists. Draymond Green had a um, a triple double with a ten by ten game, ten points, ten rebounds, ten assists. You know, Andre Iguodala had 6 points, 7 assists, 6 rebounds. Klay Thompson had 21 points, 5 rebounds, 1 assist. And they didn't seem to get really much from the bench. You know, Kavon Looney had 9 points to lead everyone off the bench. You know, it just didn't seem like the Golden State Warriors had their legs under them. And it really showed, you know, but there was some, you know, positive things from the Golden State Warriors side. You know, Steph Curry had, Steph, my bad, Steph Curry had his, most consecutive 30-point games. He's actually tied for fifth with um, Rick Berry, I believe. You know, but it was all about the Siakam show. You know, Siakam had 30, finished with 32 points, seven rebounds, and shot 82% from the field goal, which is really, really high. You know, in the third quarter is really where he made his mark. You know, he had 14 points and went 6-6 six six from, from, um, from the field in the third quarter. You know, he had the Fifth most, fifth most points in a, in a first finals game. And it just seemed like he was just all over the place. You know, defensively, he was locked in. Offensively, he got everything he wanted to, you know. He made a lot of shots from three. He shot um, pretty re- pretty well from the field. And he just seemed like he was locked in the entire game. And it's also the, um, the Toronto Raptors' first win in the NBA debut since the 08 Mavs in the NBA-ABA merger. Back in the uh, 48-49 season, which I, th- I thought that was pretty incredible. You know, Draymond Green also had his fifth straight triple-double. But like I said, this was all about the Toronto Raptors, you know, taking advantage, you know, 
they had about three days rest before they actually, you know, played game one of the NBA Finals. So it really showed when the Toronto Raptors was able to do against the Golden State Warriors. And they did, and they were able to, you know, take the victory. The Golden State Warriors are now 34-5 and in the last three seasons with no Kevin Durant. And it seemed like he was really felt, although the record says differently, the Golden State Warriors really missed Kevin Durant's offensive potential, especially late in the game when they were able to, you know, buy a bucket. You can throw it to KD in the post and let him, you know, operate and get to his spots, get to his shots, you know, do that type of thing. Game two was a different story. You know, it started off in the first quarter with seven lead changes, with Toronto ultimately taking the first quarter 27-26. And then go to the T- Toronto Raptors, you know, made their run, you know, in and a half with a 59-54 lead. And it just seemed like the Toronto Raptors were going to take a 2-0 lead. But things started to change. You know, the third quarter is where Golden State makes their march. You know, the third quarter, they've been so dominant all year long. In, in recent past, you know, they went on a 20-0 run to start the third quarter. And it really opened up things from all sides. You know, offensively, they were locked in. Defensively, they were as great as they could be. And the 20-0 run is also the longest run in an NBA Finals in NBA history. And they have now won 23 consecutive road games, which is also the most in NBA history. It seemed like the Golden State Warriors, you know, they really made their mark. And they kept, you know, doing the little things you know, making the extra pass, finding open shooters, doing just playing the go to state way. You know, their their title their their term is my bad, their term is strength in numbers, which is which means no matter who's out, somebody has to step up. Somebody has to, you know, do the little things, do the big things that lead to these things. And this seemed like the go to state warriors were all over the Toronto Raptors who were again in foul trouble, you know, Kyle Lowry fouled out in the fourth quarter, you know, the Golden State, but the Golden State Warriors didn't score for the last five thirty nine, except for the uh, the dagger by Andre Iguodala off the um, pass from Sean Livingston. Supposedly, Steph Curry traveled, but the report didn't come out until the next day after the series, after the um, the game had already been decided, and it just seemed like you know the Golden State Warriors took an extra step and had that foot on the pedal from the third quarter and beyond, and were able to, you know, tie the series and not go back home down 0-2. Some things to look out for in Game 3 um, against the Golden State Warriors and the Toronto Raptors. On the war- Starting with the Warriors, the Warriors definitely need production. You know, guys like Bookie Cousins was huge. You know, he had 11 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists. He seemed like he was all over the place. You know, he was diving for loose balls. You're talking about a guy who hasn't played since game one of the um Western uh Western Conference first I mean the first round of the Western Conference. You're talking about uh a guy who hasn't played since the first round against the uh Los Angeles Clippers. I mean it, it, Boogie Cousins was all over the place. I mean I mean, he's all over the place. And it, they're really going to need his help, especially with, you know, because the Golden State Warriors are dealing with some injuries, and they do look hobbled heading into Game 3 of the Western Conference Finals. The second thing I want to uh, take a look at is limiting second-chance points. 
the Toronto Raptors killed them on the absolutely killed them on the glass. It was fifteen to six. It doesn't seem like that big of a margin, but that's huge to give up twenty three offensive rebounds to the Toronto Raptors, who are, you know, they could play big with you know, Ibaka and Gasol at the four and five. They can have Siakam and Gasol at the four and five. It just depends on who's in foul trouble and who's not, you know. And the last thing I want to look at is, you know, protect home front. The Golden State Warriors haven't had a home game since game four against the Portland Trailblazers of the Western Conference Finals, where they did enter series in the suite. The Toronto, the Golden State Warriors have to take advantage of being at home for the next two games and to take a commanded 3-1 lead. But It'll all be about, you know, what can they get from the guys outside of the stars? Because guys like Steph Curry, um, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, you know, we know what those guys are going to give to the team, but we don't know what the benches look like because the bench is, has been on and off every um, all series. So the bench is something that's really going to have to take a step up if they're going to escape with a um, – 2-1 lead. Looking at the Toronto Raptors side, the bench needs to keep streaking. They outscored the um, Golden State Warriors bench 31-25, to led by guys like Van Vliet, who had, you know, Van Vliet, who finished with... Uh, no, Van Vliet, who finished with um, 17 points. It was huge. Absolutely huge. Off the bench, you know, he made a couple threes, you know, shot pretty well from the field. And guys like um, Ibaka, who was huge, he had seven points, 10 rebounds in 16 minutes in game two. You know, they also had, you know, they definitely need more from uh, uh, Danny Green and Mark Gasol. Green, you know, he finished with eight points. Gasol was six points. They definitely need more production from those guys. But the main thing is the bench needs to keep... They need to give the um the Toronto Raptors an added boost if they are able to if they want to um take a two one lead in the uh NBA finals and possibly a three one lead heading back to Toronto. Um the next thing I want to look at is the balance to O and the D. They set a franchise record fifty nine points in the first round in the first half against the uh, Golden State Warriors, but they allowed fifty four points and were outscored and and also allowed twelve points in the last two minutes of the game. That has to um end for the Toronto Raptors to escape with a, a two one lead against the Golden State Warriors. And looking at the second half, they were outscored fifty five to forty five, including that twenty zero run in the third quarter. They have to be able to take advantage, you know, mismatches. They have to be able to slow the pace. They have to be physical. They basically just have to play harder. Is what. I'm basically saying, even though they lost the game 109-104, the Toronto Raptors definitely need more. They definitely need more energy. More energy would get them, you know, flowing on offense and keep them locked in defensively. Last thing I want to take a look at is take advantage of just switches. You know, try to get Gasol more established in the post. You know, he's he's been a great post, post guy for a majority of his career. And I feel like he could use, you know, touches early in the game to get him going. They also need to learn how to um, contest shots. You know, Golden State Warriors had way too many open um, three-pointers, you know, led by Steph, the Splash Warriors, 
Slash Brothers, of course, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. And Draymond Green was even knocking them down. So they definitely want to learn to uh, contest shots. And to continue to get good shots, you know, it felt like a lot of their shots were rushed. It felt like they were swarming, you know, Kawhi Leonard, who hasn't been himself. It seemed like he's been, you know, hobbled with that, you know, that calf injury. And it seems like Kawhi Leonard definitely needs to get back to his takeover mode where he can, you know, impact the game on both ends. And he has to be better. So, uh, with, the, with the series heading back to uh, go to state, to Oracle Arena, where they could possibly be at for the um, last two games if they are to go up 3-1 in the series. I think I'm leaning more towards the Golden State Warriors. I know I, that sounds like a boring answer, but I think with Golden State being home, I think that they are, if they are able, they should be able to, you know, take care of the um, little mistakes and get the win against the uh, Toronto Raptors. So I look for uh, the Golden State Warriors to win Game 3, possibly Game 4. Game 4 will definitely be a toss-up along with Game 3. And we'll see if which team, you know, can take care of the, the mistakes that they made in the fir- within the uh, first two games. Because with Golden State making a lot of mistakes in the first game and Toronto Raptors making a lot of mistakes in the second game. Looking at the injury side, we got some recent news from Kevin Durant, who's, you know, been dealing with a calf strain since... Game three of the um, West Conference semifinals against the Houston Rockets. He was able to do more in his rehab on the court and could be looking to practice on Thursday. And if he's able to, you know, go through one practice without feeling any, you know, pain afterwards to where it's not sustainable, then Kevin Durant could suit up for game four of the um, West, um, of the NBA finals. So, Look for Kevin Durant to be be a factor if he is able to take the court. Um, Clay Thompson also sustained an injury. You know he's he's um been diagnosed with a hamstring strain, but he was able to get shots up at practice today, and he actually looked good from what I've seen. So, if Clay Thompson is able to play Game Three, it would be a huge boost for the Golden State Warriors, who are going to need the extra push if they are able to, you know take the um the two or even the three one series lead, you know, take the commanding lead over the series. But the thing that's working on Golden State side, they are thirty two and two when Stephen Curry plays, but Kevin Durant does not play. So those are huge odds in Golden State uh favorite. But look for Toronto Raptors to take advantage of the series. You know, Siakam, he has to be better. Last game he had twelve points, seven rebounds it didn't particularly shoot well from the field. You know, he shot about 6 of 18 from the field, which is around uh, 37% from the field, which is well below his average. And what he's been averaging in the series, he has to be better, especially coming off a, a game in his first NBA Finals game in which he had, you know, 32 points. So look for uh, Pascal Siakam to be better. Look for the bench to be better. And I feel like game three will be a nail-biter. Whoever wants some more will come up on top. The next thing I want to talk about is the Anthony Davis trade rumors. Anthony Davis, according to um Chris Haynes, he said to uh 
Griffin has informed Rich Paul that they're going to move on and see what's out there. Rich Paul and Griffin's relationship goes back to when they were in Cleveland. They have, you know, a firm relationship where nothing was hostile. And Griffin understands AD's position. You know, David Griffin, he, he is the executive vice president of basketball operations for the um, New Orleans Pelicans. And he wants to, you know, he tried to get a clear understanding of where Anthony Davis is in the whole talk with the um, New Orleans Pelicans about, you know, moving forward and seeing what's out there and what does the future look like in New Orleans. But Anthony Davis has not changed his stand and he does want out and has been confirmed today. So the teams that are looking have the best shot at landing Anthony Davis are the Los Angeles Lakers, the Los Angeles Clippers, the Brooklyn Nets, the New York Knicks, and the Dark Horse, the Boston Celtics. Although the Boston Celtics haven't been rumored to um, want Anthony Davis, the Boston Celtics can't trade for uh, Anthony Davis because of the Rose Rule, which which is basically two guys on contract extensions already. So if the Boston Celtics were to make a trade for Anthony Davis, they would have to wait till July, which gives the upper hand to, you know, the L.A. Lakers, the New York Knicks, and even the Brooklyn Nets. The Lakers have, have do uh, Anthony Davis and LeBron James does share an agent, which is Rich Paul, which is highly respected around the NBA. So he could work out a deal in which, you know, the Lakers have the upper hand in the Anthony Davis trade talks. So look for, you know, more rumors or even more reports to possibly fire out, you know, with the draft uh, about two weeks away. And with Anthony Davis looking to be moved before July. I would like to um end the podcast with a you know a few questions. Um the first question comes from Javier Abrego. He says, um who who do you like more uh and who looks to have the brighter future moving forward? DeAndre Hunter out of Virginia or Jared Cover out of Texas Tech? I like um I like DeAndre Hunter right now because because of his age, he's you know he's one of the older prospects in the NBA draft who's projected, you know in the uh, four to eight range. I I like his uh, defensive potential. You know he's also coming in as the older prospect, where he's going to be twenty two this year. I think that DeAndre Hunter can make an impact right away to where um, as a potential starter or coming off the bench. I think that DeAndre Hunter can be that guy. You know, he can play the three. He can play he can play two through four. You know, he can um, switch on defense. He can guard multiple positions. He shot 43% from three-point range after shooting 32% his um, freshman year at Virginia. You know, he was um, runner-up for ACC player of the year. I thought... I think that DeAndre Hunter has a very bright future. I do like Jared Cover too, but I think that DeAndre Hunter can make an impact right away. And I think Jared Cover will possibly struggle to shoot, you know, his first year in the NBA. And it also depends on the roles that they play to uh, determine which prospect will end up being better, you know, moving forward. I like DeAndre Hunter right now, though, between the two prospects. I think that DeAndre Hunter, like I said, can make an impact right away. Giant A. Roberts... Talks about um he asks how will Lionel Holland Hollins help the Lakers defensively? 
the Lakers finish um, early in the season. The Lakers, uh, the Los Angeles Lakers, were top four in um, defenses efficiency. Um, early November, uh, late November, early December, I think that they did finish the season twenty of defenses in defensive efficiency. I think that um, Lila Hollins will help, you know, the Lakers get in their spots, you know, help them spread the court, you know, help them communicate better, help them guard switches, you know, especially, you know, you get guys like, you know, the bigger guards and, you know, Lonzo Ball, six 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 seven, can get him switched on smaller guards and take advantage of him, especially in the post where that could be one area he looked to work on this summer, which could really help his game, you know, open up the floor for him. And, you know, guys like, you know, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, if they aren't traded, you know, in an Anthony Davis deal, Bradley Beal, or possibly anybody else in the uh, NBA who who the Lakers are looking to target, if they aren't, you know, uh, a buyer for, you know, free agents to, you know, come in and help out LeBron James and the young core. So I think that Lila Hollins was a was a great hire as of today, as of, of about an hour ago. I think that Lionel Hollins will help the Lakers a lot defensively. And they also have, you know, head coach Frank Vogel, you know, where his Indiana teams were top five defensively. Although he didn't have a great time with the Orlando Magic because they did have some, um, you know, some injuries to, you know, Jonathan Isaac, Aaron Gordon, uh, Nikola Vucevic. But those guys... Even though those uh, the Orlando Magic was able to become a playoff team after Frank Vogel was let go, I do think that Frank Vogel does have a great basketball mind. I think he does bring a great dynamic to the Lakers. I like you know the Frank Vogel, Jason Kidd, Lionel Hollis pairing. I think that they are if they are on the same page. I think the Lakers are heading in the right direction offensively and defensively, especially if they are able to you know bring in the shooters you know because they because. They finished 29th in three-point uh, three percentage just right ab- uh, above the Phoenix Suns, who did finish 30th. So, in closing, I think that Lionel Hollins can be a great help to the Lakers defensively. On episode three, I'd like to talk about, you know, get get more into, get, uh, get a little bit more into, you know, the NBA draft and look to address, you know, free agency a little bit. Maybe I could make some predictions on... Um, which free agents will land where, which free agents will resign and dive into that a little bit. And I'll also be doing um a mock draft, so I think that about wraps it up for this show.